Welcome to Master the Pause with Marion Moss. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to Master the Pause. I'm your host, Marion Moss. And Mastering the Pause is the way to expand your consciousness. It is a way through the control of your inhalation and exhalation. In these podcasts, my guests use breath consciousness as a way to work with their own health or with their clients and patients. And the experiences of the use of the breath are broad and life-changing. And today is my guest is Dr. Paul Emerson. He is a, um, a student of yoga, and I'm going to give you a little bit more about him. Hello and welcome, Paul. Hello, hello. Thank you. Yes, we've known each other for at least 25 years off and on through the yoga uh, meditation uh, Himalayan um, uh, tradition. And uh, Dr. Paul Emerson has been practicing yoga in various forms since 1969. And in 1974, he came in contact with the Himalayan tradition, meeting then Pandit Ushabhut Arya, as well as Swami Rama. And uh, Ushabhut Arya became Swami Veda Bharati. And he trained as a yoga teacher through the Rockford School of Yoga and the Meditation Center in Minneapolis. And he also helped write the curriculum of the Himalayan yoga tradition teacher training program, a very intensive one that I helped to run and might mention, and very thorough. And you'll get lots of details about breathing on, on, on that training. And uh, that was specifically focusing on the areas of uh, physiology and breath. Uh, professionally, he's a biomedical engineer a PhD in mechanical engineering, and has done research in the area of dialysis, as well as helped design various respiratory and implantable cardiac devices, which I may have had one. Thank oh you my. very much. I, yes. I don't know if you, I, I don't, I, I don't know if it was my company, but pacemaker. <laughs> uh-huh. I had an ablation. I had an ablation and to test my, my heart, they put a little device uh, on me for a couple weeks. And uh, that worked quite well, by the way. And uh, yeah, could and coincidentally, he has been one of the breath sensor guys for a large medical device firm, uh, which dovetails with his interest in yoga. Pray tell, Uh, he can be found on LinkedIn, and his email is there. Would be Paul Emerson, and. I noticed there were some other Paul Emerson's, so I think I just want to identify you from the others. Um, he uh, is the the uh, biomedical engineer, and um, his contact information is paulbioengineer at gmail.com. Welcome again, and thank you for joining me today. You have so much to offer that um, so many people who want real science about breathing um, for those of who understand that we have breath that moves through us. And for those who understand breath that, uh, that uh, helps to regulate our emotions. And for those who know nothing and those who want to study it further, I, you have 
something to offer on all those levels. Please enlighten us with any information you have. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the, you know, the first thing you, one can always say is, well, why do you breathe to begin with? And, mm. uh, you know, the answer that comes is uh, you breathe to support your metabolism. And, uh, you know, when you say, well, what does that mean? Uh, metabolism is basically just like a campfire. You take substances and you burn them and you get out carbon dioxide and water. Those are the two things that you get. It's just that you have a very elaborate uh, biochemical process. So in the process of burning stuff, you don't disintegrate uh, like the log and the fire. You can burn stuff uh, very similar uh, to, you know, what's, what's, normally, what's normally done, but you do it at room temperature. Uh, so that, you know, that would be the first thing that you think about. So what is, you know, what does breathing actually do, um, in that sense, you are bringing oxygen to the fire and you are removing carbon dioxide. And of those two, you know, people always say, well, why do you breathe? And I'll say, well, it's for oxygen. Uh, interestingly enough at uh, room, uh, or at sea level, uh, the main reason that you are, or the main impetus to breathing is actually the removal of carbon dioxide. Uh, as you go up in altitude, uh, for folks that are, you know, mountain climbers, it's at, at, at that point, you will tend to notice that uh, oxygen deprivation is more of an impetus to, to actually breathing. Um, you know, so, so why do you breathe? Well, it's those two things. It's gas exchange for the most part. Yes, um, the, 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 uh, all, you know, the other questions of course, that, you know, that come into mind is that there's different ways of, of actually breathing, of course. And, you know, if you think about it, if you are at rest, there's really two ways to breathe. Uh, you can breathe fast and rapid, or you can breathe, um, slow and deep. And if you think about it, well, if the purpose is really gas exchange, then you need a certain amount of air coming into the lungs and a certain amount of air leaving the lungs. And so the way they, they think about it is the depth of breath, that's called tidal volume, and, the rate, and then there's the rate of breathing. If you multiply those two together, you have what's called minute ventilation. And so if you're at rest, if you're not doing anything, you have a uh, two ways of basically arriving at the same minute ventilation. And that's fast and slow or uh, um, slow and deep. What is uh, interesting uh, about that is uh, there are some um, advantages, uh, neurologically speaking, uh, to going slow and deep, and that can cause you to be more in a state of relaxation um, because there are neural connections uh, to breathing other than just the pure gas exchange that, that takes place. So, um, and, that, and that's sort of the interesting thing when you're talking about say consciousness, when you're talking about stress level, and when you're talking about health in general. Uh, sort of realizing what some of that 
actually is. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that, that's, that's my preliminary discussion on this, I guess, is if you want to think about well, it. I think that, that uh, has, that's a nice, well-rounded way of helping us understand, especially around the, the fast and rapid and the slow and deep. And um, given, given that, um, we know that uh, those affect different uh, systems in the body and the brain. And uh, one of them is the limbic system. Yes. Otherwise, otherwise known as the autonomic nervous system. Right. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have the, the two sides of the autonomic nervous system. Uh, one is your, the sympathetic side, uh, which is the flight and fight response. If you need to get away from the bear, you activate the sympathetic nervous system. Um, if you are, if you want to sit down, digest your food, uh, relax a little bit, you activate the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. Uh, the thing that's always intrigued me is actually both of these systems are operating at the same time. Um, it's not it's not like you have a choice of one or the other, but you are actually operating on both of them. So if you look at if you look at the heart, if you did not have the uh, the heart increases in speed uh, with the um, sympathetic activation, it decreases in speed uh, with parasympathetic parasympathetic activation. If you had no parasympathetic activation, your heart rate would be roughly about uh, 100 to 110 beats a minute. But for most people, uh, their uh, uh, heart rate is, say, somewhere in the order of about 60 to 70 uh, beats a minute. So the the both systems are really to some degree operating at the same time. It's sort of like driving your car uh, with your um, uh, foot on the brake as well as on the accelerator. And so where your your body is um, depends on are you pushing more on the accelerator or are you pressing more on the brake? And this this allows a little bit more of a of a finer control. Um, and really what you're doing is you are, it's a, gets into in engineering, we call it control theory, where you have a sensor that's providing some feedback. And then there's a particular set point uh, that you're trying to be at. And the set point generally is determined by your activity uh, level or your, uh, you know, what you're in general, what you're doing. If you are running away from the bear, then you're pressing on the accelerator, your heart rate is going up, your breathing is going up, and you're trying to get away from the bear. Um, if you are with friends, if you're happy, if you're relaxed, um, you're, you, you aren't on the accelerator, you're more on the, uh, on the parasympathetic side of things. Um, the other interesting thing about it is that, you know, when you talk about these two parts of the limbic system, the parasympathetic side is actually the most rapid uh, part of the, of the autonomic nervous system uh, because that actually has a direct neural connection to the heart, uh, to the lungs, 
uh, which we're talking about here, uh, as well as a, a number of other uh, bodily organs uh, that are that are involved. Uh, the sympathetic side has uh, less of a neural connection, but it has a hormonal connection. So uh, the hormonal connection uh, is, uh, uh, you know, that's the you have the secretion of adrenaline, which causes everything to become more rapid yeah. and to to get away from to get away from things. And mm -hmm. you can actually separate out these two effects when people do things like, you know, heart rate variability. Um, you can, there's actually uh, a way of processing your heart, heart rate. So you can actually see uh, whether the um, sympathetic or the parasympathetic uh, is more active at one, at any one time. Um, but that's, that's probably a more complicated explanation. Now, the, since mm -hmm. we're talking about breath, of course, the, uh, the fun thing is, is you can manipulate this with, with breathing. And so, you know, depending on, do you, do you want to get away from the bear? Uh, one of the things that you can do is you can actually breathe faster. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, breathing itself is sort of interesting because it's what we would call a, a feed forward activity. Um, rather than a feedback activity. There's, there's a feedback aspect to it, but it's also what they would call feed forward. And yeah. what I mean by, yeah. Yeah, yeah. please yeah, elaborate on that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, what I mean by that is, you know, a, a feedback activity is like the thermostat in your house, okay? You, mm. you set the thermostat for say 72 degrees. All right, then, then you know, the uh, air temperature, it gets, it gets colder. And uh, the thermostat says, oh, I have to turn the furnace on and the furnace uh, comes, comes on. That's, that's really sort of a, a feedback uh, activity uh, that, that we encounter in, in everyday life. Um, and a similar thing with the car, since we've been using a car analogy, is if you, um, if, if you, if you come to a hill uh, cars naturally tend to slow down and you notice that it's slowing down. So you stamp on the accelerator a little bit and you can maintain uh, the same uh, speed actually going up the hill. Uh, what feed forward is, is it's like having an alternative sensor involved. So rather than just say, well, the, having a speed sensor where you know, the car is slowing down on the hill Maybe you have something like uh, either two things. You either have a GPS involved, so it knows that the hill uh, is going to be there. And before the car slows down, it actually speeds the car up. And, mm. what, you, and what you will notice is if you look at, say, the way that people breathe uh, when they are starting to do a race, um, for example, they will actually breathe faster before the oxygen levels decrease. And that's actually knowing from experience that they are going to need, say, that extra little boost. So they, they engage in a feed forward uh, type of action. So it's, 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 in that sense, it's done not so much from an alternative sensor, like a tilt mm -hmm. sensor in the case of a car going up the hill, but mm -hmm. rather from experience, which would be like GPS, the car knows that the hill is there. So it tends to speed things up. 
So what you, what you can do with breathing is breathing often precedes uh, the need. And, uh, and, and this, is, this works you know, psychologically both ways, right? So uh, it's like uh, if you are in a situation where you know you are going to be stressed and normally in a situation of stress, your breathing increases, uh, very often just that knowledge that you will be in a stressful situation will cause your breathing to increase from experience. Mm. Um, of course, similarly, you can use the opposite. You can say, well, I know that this is a stressful situation. I know that uh, I would normally be breathing faster. So you can actually take control of your breathing and you can, you can end up slowing it down. Um, so that's the, that's the whole point of yoga, isn't it? To discover what, uh, what our breathing is doing yes. so we can decide on yeah. how to, how to control it and know when we're supposed to be afraid and when we're not supposed to be afraid. Yes. There's a, there's definitely a, a psychological component that comes into mm -hmm. this. And I mean, if you think of breathing, it's both uh, voluntary and involuntary, right? You, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't, you can't be like the little kid that just holds his breath and says, mommy, daddy, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just hold my breath until I die. It, it just, no, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't work. Doesn't work like that much as all the little, uh, uh, you know, the little kids uh, yeah, would, yeah. would love to have it work. It, it does not work like that. So um, yes, uh, that, that is uh it, it has that dual aspect to it. And it is the, and of course, that dual aspect is why breathing is the fundamental basis of, you know, all the meditation systems and the systems of self-regulation. You can, you can use it as an input to controlling your body um, just from that. So. Brilliant. Well, uh, for those of you who've never heard this information before, uh, it'd be really good to review it. And uh, if you're like me, I need to write everything down and review it again. And I simply to understand uh, how complex our breathing really is. And it isn't just something that you do with that object in front of your face. You actually can create something positive with that and, uh, and, and, and have uh, extreme pleasure. And uh, when you have, when you have find yourself in a, another situation, you can change that to whatever you want. Uh, Paul, can, do you have anything else you can add today to this uh, great stream of information? Oh, this is, this is something that, you know, one can, talk about for uh, you could talk about it for hours on end so right. we've uh, you know you know we've talked about yes there is such a thing as um, uh, you know tidal volume minute ventilation um, and how much minute ventilation you happen to need for a particular activity uh, the is one that thing that minute am I like minute, minute like yes, time. minute, minute, like a minute ventilation is is a uh, is a basic term, and that's really 
just uh-huh. the rate of breathing times the tidal volume. All so right. it's it's how much air is going in, you know, into the lungs at any at any particular time. Mm-hmm. And there is minute ventilation at rest, which means if you're sitting around, basically not doing anything, not moving, there is that sort of basal metabolic rate. And we would say, uh, exercise physiologist would call that one MET, M-E-T, metabolic um, equivalent, I guess. Um, you, you, what has been interesting to me is, of course, you can, uh, if you are involved in athletics, uh, you can raise your minute ventilation um, and you can support um, activities uh, many times in excess of that one met. So if you so if you aren't really very well um, conditioned, uh, and say like you were you know a runner, you could probably get yourself up to about ten mets. In other words, you can raise mm. your your activity level up to uh, ten times uh, your normal metabolic level at rest. Um, mm. If you were uh, an elite runner and very well conditioned, uh, you know, you could be up 20, 25, 20 to 25 times. So, the, so that's interesting. And you, of course, that is the related very much to, um, to the minute ventilation that goes along with that to support it. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, of course, you can do just the opposite. So whatever you're doing at rest, uh, you can consciously relax and you can decrease uh, your actual metabolism uh, lower than your um, uh, at-rest level. Um, I have a question about that, if you don't mind. Uh, Okay. Yeah. We hear about swamis, uh, adepts uh, that can lower their um, breathing, so much so that they can do it for days at a time. Yes. That's is the, there yeah. a simple explanation for that and why they survive that? I have well, a feeling that a few people yeah, are curious. That, yeah. Well, it, that, that's, oh, those are fun. That, that, that's fun things. The classic case, of course, is uh, Haridas uh, from, uh, I think it's an 1859 uh, book which I actually checked out of the library and, uh, and Xeroxed because uh, I was you know, very curious yeah. about that. Uh, but there was another case uh, in the, that actually was in the medical literature um, somewhere and Haridas could bury himself um, for a, a month at a time. You know? So he had this little thing, they would, they would do some of the yogic practices, um, the so-called shut kriyas, uh, where he'd basically, um, you know, do an enema, do a bunch of other cleansing exercises. And uh, then, you know, they'd take them, put them in a pit. They would actually, they, they, it said they actually would sow uh, grain over where he was buried. And then they'd dig him up a month later and, you know, uh, massage him a little bit. And he was perfectly fine. Um, wow. But there was another one that was done in contemporary times. Um, that is in the medical literature, and they actually had him wired up uh, during this process. And what was interesting is he went into sort of uh, uh, tachyarrhythmia, where his heart beat very, very fast, 
and then he flatlined uh, perfectly uh, for about eight days. And, mm. and originally, the scientists that were looking at this uh, said, "You know, he must be dead. You know, we, we got to we got to we got to revive him." And you know, his disciples were there, and they said, "No, no, no, no. He does this all the time. Just wait, and you know, he'll come out of it." And sure enough, after eight days, his heart his heart rate um, sped up, and they also had before and after blood work too. And uh, what what that showed was that he had there was some dehydration that had occurred. And so uh, uh, some of the, you know, like the hematocrit, the percentage of, of solid components in his blood, some of those numbers had gone up. Uh, but other than that, he had no particular um, ill effects. The, um, the thought is, is that there are some animals that can do this. Um, uh, such as black bears. Uh, being in Minnesota here, we have lots of black yeah. bears. And uh, the black bear, six months out of the year, uh, basically goes into a state of hibernation where um, his, yeah, you know, his heart beats, but very slowly. Um, there is nothing eaten. Um, and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very, it's a state that's very, similar to this. So one thought is, and this is purely a hypothesis, is that there are um, uh, several uh, latent capabilities within humans that um, are actual capabilities in, in other animal species. And this is something that one is able to activate uh, through training. So mm. uh, it's it, it's yeah, it's not nothing necessarily genetic, but it just a, it is a it's it's manipulating you know your own physiology to do what it what it needs yeah. to do. Training your body and your mind to to be able to have that. When would that be useful uh, for a human? I well, mean, certainly you know, if uh, if you're underground and you can't breathe. But <clears throat> what are some other yeah. examples? You know, uh, if if you if you think about these things, uh, you know, there's uh, people give an evolutionary uh, explanation very often. Um, you know, right now we're pretty good at having food, right? We can find food, we can grow food. Uh, in fact, we have too much food. But for uh, a lot of human history, it hasn't always been like that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there are there are uh, genetic genetic adaptations and subpopulations where, you know, not going through sort of a feast and famine cycle has uh, led to a you know, predisposition to things like uh, diabetes, uh, as well as a number of other health problems. Um, so I, I, you know, one could say, when was when it would it be useful? Uh, it would be useful for survival, um, if you were in a situation where uh, food uh, was not available. Uh, you could simply put yourself in a state, wait for summer, and survive. So, mm. you know, if you had a, a few members of the population that you know were uh, were able to do this, uh, then you know they could they could survive this this time period. There have been periods uh, in the past. Logical disasters, uh, where in Europe, for example, where uh, we never had summer. <laughs> um, that was uh, during the uh, 
some of the uh, eruptions of volcanoes, which uh, put a lot of so, ash into the yeah into the atmosphere, which we regularly have in California in the summertime. Uh, well, maybe this will be more useful then uh, yeah. for for Californians to, uh, yeah. to, yeah. to survive some of the things. Um, but that's one that that's one explanation. And swimmers, really. swimmers could uh, make use of that as well. Uh, no? Swimmers, yeah. have, and there is a there is a diving uh, reflex where uh, mm. you know people that do uh, free diving uh, very often. If you're going to be underwater uh -huh. for a long period of time. Uh, you can, in fact, you can, in fact, get into that. I, I don't know as much about that, so I'm, I'm not going to talk a lot about it. Although I realize that that it is existing, and it is, it is another alternative yeah. way to to use your breathing apparatus. I'm uh, kind of curious if, uh, if uh, the move to slow your breath down uh, and keep it slow. Does moving the body interfere uh, with that breath, or can you still have control at the same time? I'm thinking about the divers, and I, you just said you don't know as much about that, but I'm kind of wondering if you can guess about that. Well, there there is this there 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 is a definite feedback loop uh, between uh, breathing and um, movement. Uh, the, the, the most interesting example of this is uh, people that are, say, paraplegics. Uh, one of the experiments uh, that's, that's been done is, you know, paraplegics, they can't move anything below the waist. Right, but right. What, you, what you can do is you can uh, put them on a bicycle, you know, and fasten their feet down. And then you can, with a motor, you can actually move. Uh, the pedals of the bicycle. They can't do it themselves, but you can move those pedals of the bicycles and the feedback loop between that movement uh, will, and their breathing apparatus will cause their uh, breath to increase. So it's the, it's the moving of the, of the major muscle groups. And you can experiment to some degree with this in, in, in yourself. So for example, you can um, simply wave your arms at a, at a certain weight and watch how your breathing changes. And then you can also uh, similarly uh, move your uh, leg muscles and watch how your breathing changes. What you might observe is that the movement of the arms, uh, because there's less muscle mass in your arms, unless you're heavily, heavily muscled, uh, will probably cause less of an increase of, of your breathing than the movement of your leg muscles. Um, and of course, there, there, there's a lot of um, it's it's not exact, but it's something you can you can look at and observe. Yeah, um, larger muscles versus smaller muscles. Yes. I think mm. right. So 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 that so that that's a there's this definite uh, of uh, correlation, I guess. Uh, between breathing and movement, um, and so you know, why do you why do you sit still for meditation? Uh, yeah. Well, one one reason for sitting still for meditation is simply that you can then quiet your breathing down, so you can go inward. If you are moving, you're going to have you're going to have more breath, and you'll have an act, have a, your metal your metabolism will be geared up more. Yeah. The quieter the nervous system gets, uh, 
the better the meditation can be, possibly. Yeah, that's so, one. Yeah. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah, it's the it's yeah. the old it's the old analogy of uh, you have a you have a lake and you have ripples in the lake. If you want to get rid of the ripples, you are quiet, and then the ripples vanish. Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. see to the bottom of the lake. So this is one way for our listeners to uh, understand that the breath is connected to our nervous systems, which then can either uh, speed us up or slow us down and in, uh, in profound ways. So we, it, breathing is a big topic these days. Uh, some people are not breathing anymore. And uh, uh, that is yes. a, that's, that's a lot going on right now. So I like to, think that maybe uh, at times when people are ill, they have a way to uh, think about how their breath works. And maybe that can offer a little bit of some healing for them. Uh, that's, that's one little hope I have. And um, I, I, I feel like we've really covered a lot today. And I'd love to do this again sometime if you're so willing. Oh, that would be fine. Oh, super, super. Thank you so much. Uh, would you like to leave us with any particular, um, sometimes I have uh, my guests do a little meditation, a very short one or a breathing exercise, something that'll help them understand uh, in the moment what it is that we're experiencing. And, um, and for those of you, if you'd like to do that, I'll let them know to uh, pull over if they're on the, on, the, on the road, just put us on pause. <laughs> yeah, put us on pause. Well, what, yeah. I, what I have to do is, it's like in a, if I were to do a meditation class or a beginning yoga class, uh, I do a very simple uh, type of observational um, exercise. And that is that you will, you sit in a particular position, preferably with a straight spine, or if you are uh, able to, you do this on the floor, um, preferably in a prone position. But uh, in the process of doing that, the first thing you just simply notice is where you're at. And if you notice your breathing, um, simply you observe the rate of the breath. Whatever the state is, whatever the thoughts are, and try not to do anything, but just see where it is, see where, what the breath is doing. You would do this for a while, noticing that. And then the second thing that you might notice from the breath, you might notice that there is um, a length of time for the inhalation and length of time for the exhalation. I'll see which one is longer. The third pass, pass or a third thing to observe about the breath is rather the pauses or jerks in the breath. So 
And particularly when you transition between inhalation and exhalation, just notice whether there is a pause there. And then the final thing is noticing where in your body you are finding most of the movement that's attributed to breathing. Is the movement more in the thorax, the upper part of the body, or is it more down in the abdominal part of the body, the lower part of your torso? Depending on your position, you may also notice there's a slight sideways movement of the ribs. And the last thing that you could also notice would be which of your two nostrils is most freely breathing, whether it's the right or whether it's the left. And then you would come out of this, change your position, and just breathe as you would normally breathe. So if you, would, if you wanted to increase uh, your relaxation in these five different steps, uh, the first thing is you would tend to breathe somewhat slower. Second thing is you would tend to exhale longer, perhaps twice as long as you inhale. Uh, third thing is you would eliminate the pauses and the jerks uh, from the breath. Fourth thing is you would tend to have a breath that's more abdominal than thoracic. And then the fifth thing is if you could, uh, both nostrils would be um, equally breathing. And so these would be the three things that you would observe or try to have, but when you work with the breathing, it's not so much trying, it's just allowing it to happen. So the first wow. step is observing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think uh, we can leave, uh, leave it at that. Uh, I think there's enough there to practice for a long time uh, and we can do it anytime and we can do it at bus stops and we can do it anywhere. This is the best thing of all. Thank you so much for um, bringing us to that wonderful uh, state of mind, actually. The breath really well, works beautifully. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was following the, the breathing uh, method and uh, following your, the way that you speak. And uh, clearly, uh, there's a lot to the way that you practice and uh, it, it comes across, it comes across that you're very relaxed and thank you so much for that. Oh, thank, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Thanks. I'm just going to tell our, um, our listeners that uh, if they would please subscribe to masterthepause.com and stay inspired as you too find your breath two times a month, you'll be notified 
of new inspirations with my guests. And to get notifications, use the subscribe button and please leave your comments and ratings on the podcast and let us know what you enjoyed the most. And if uh, you'd like to hear more from particular guests, thanks for joining us today. All the best. I also want to let you know about... um, uh, look, to look for practical steps in meditation coming soon to Patreon. And uh, that is going to be up soon. I'll, I'll be letting you know uh, on Master the Pause. And I'll also be sending out uh, mail for you all. Get, let, send us your uh, email if we don't have it. Love to hear back from you. Thank you. This is Marion Moss at Master the Pause. Thanks again, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.